Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. This is episode 160. This is very exciting. Um, This has been a pretty, pretty good week in Devils hockey as far as it goes. One of the better weeks in recent memory as far as I can remember. And uh, we last joined you before the Devils took on the LA Kings. I think the episode was posted the night of that game. And John, I believe you were in attendance for that game as the Devils um, managed to score yet another comeback win. Right. So this game, unlike the game against Montreal, the Devils actually came out well to start this game. They they were moving the puck. They, they kept LA to no shots on net for the first seven minutes of the game, mm-hmm. except the first shot of the game was a breakaway to Anja Kopitar. And let me tell you something, Dan, there's a lot of players in the league you don't want to give a breakaway to. At age 35, Anja Kopitar is absolutely one of them. He beat Vanacek. It's one. You're down a goal. And then minutes later, the Devils are high up in the zone. Jack Hughes is trying to make something out of nothing happening. He's been doing this a lot where he's trying to play into pressure. And it's both partially him wanting to do too much and partially guys are just not getting open for him. It's usually one of the, it's usually a combination. Turnover. You get a two on one against Dougie Hamilton. Uh, Kevin Fiala rushes up ice. Hamilton decides to pull a Damon Severson and cover nobody in the middle. Flops on his belly. Fiala takes a shot. Victor mm-hmm. Arvidsson puts in the rebound. You're now down two nothing um, to LA, and you're sitting there going, "What in the world was this? This is not the type of first period you want to have after the loss to Montreal. This is, and you know, symbolic of many of the other games over the past six weeks mm-hmm. where the the start was slow, and then the second period." If you paid close enough attention to it, you start noticing the Devils are starting to play a lot more like they did back in November. They're really starting to just dominate the play in a sense that, yeah, they're down two goals. But you figure, all right, if Phoenix Copley isn't going to be perfect tonight, the Devils may have a chance here. And he wasn't perfect. Thomas Tatar makes it a one-goal game late in the second period. I'm thinking to myself, if the Devils can get something early, they can really put the uh, the knife on the throat, so to speak, and Dogson Mercer, the man with with a kennel in his rib cage, ties it up in the third period, and everything's looking good until a disaster struck. Dan, mm-hmm. would you like? Do you recall this disaster? I I'm just trying to recall it. A lot has happened recently, admittedly. Okay, all um, right, I'll I'll take this one. So yeah, so the Devils were otherwise playing this is the very Jersey sim- pinch. Is is that what I'm remembering? It's more than a pinch. So uh, the Devils have the, you know, Jack Hughes loses a puck battle to Kevin Fiala behind the net. That's a classic example of that's not good. But what made it worse, Dan, was all five Devils were surrounding the net, watching the puck. Mm-hmm. The puck, Fiala gets the puck out to Anja Kopitar, who, despite having five guys looking at him, nobody's actually on him. And Sean Dersey decides, I'm going to activate. I'm going to charge down the wing. And Anja Kopitar, remember, Anja Kopitar is a supremely talented player, Dan. He drops a dime to Dursey, and Dursey scores weak side, very similar to three of those goals against Montreal, or three of those goals by Montreal, I should say, from Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And the Devils are now down three to two with less than five minutes to play in regulation. You figure, okay, we're about to see another L. But then well, a magic happens. Ma- yeah. Magic happens. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they they basically Hughes had been limited very much in this game, like he had been against the Kings in previous meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
until this moment, you know, not much was working for him, and he just he he found a way to work his magic. He fed Heisher in the middle for a deflection that went past Copley uh, in the last thirty seven seconds of the game. Yeah, it, it was a very love fort- to see it. yeah, it was a six on five play. Um, the Devils made you know got their dramatic goal similar to their other games in California for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, think I'm thinking of the San Jose game in particular, and then overtime happens and the Devils are just you know they're putting LA to the sword. Like Jack Hughes nearly ends it on the first shift. He hits yeah. the frame of the goal, and then you know the Kings kind of come back. I don't did they technically get a shot on that? No, they did not. They got they got stuffed on that shot. Devils win it back. Ultimately, the Devils are just like attacking, attacking. And the final moment comes where Vanacek takes a cleared puck by LA, plays it up to Hamilton, away from the pressure. Hamilton takes it in. Jack Hughes, I believe, is on the ice here. And Hughes decides, I'm going to skate away from the slot and take a king with him. And Mercer decides, I'm going to get ahead of my man here. And Hamilton goes, oh, hey, Mercer's wide open, charging the net. All by, you know, inside position. Pass, one touch. The dog is howling. Yeah, he's the old, right the, in there. For the 4-3 win. Mercer was definitely a hero of the night. Hamilton had a good night. Tatar had a good night. The Devils won this game, and they deserve to win this game. Mm-hmm. As, as dramatic as it was. I think that's the larger lesson to take from this one, is that even though, yes, the Devils went down to nothing. Yes, they needed a third you know, six on five goal to tie it up late. The Devils were truly the better team against a playoff caliber LA team. Well, so you were alluding to it. They were playing like they had back in November. And we were talking about that when we mentioned the Pittsburgh game last week as well. That's when we had first started seeing the shades of, oh, they're dominating a team that's, you know, potentially going to make the playoffs. This is a good thing to see. This is something that whether or not the score line is going the right way in the first period, whatever it was, they deserve to win that game. And we saw the result of that. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of my bigger criticisms, and this is going to come in the month in review that should be up by the time this, uh, this episode is posted is that, you know, as much as the devils have been successful, some of these performances have not been all that great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would go as far as to say the devils have been overachieving a little bit this season, <laughs> You know, they're 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 going seven, two, and one in February out of ten games, which is remarkable regardless of competition. But you know, the old line, you hear it from Ken Danico, you hear it from Bill Spaulding, you hear it from the people who matter. It's the devils just find a way to win games. Good teams find wins to win games. You know, Dan, I feel like you can find some ways to win some games without giving up the first goal or the first two goals. Or you any find a, you can find a way to win a game um just by beating the living stuffing out of your opponent. I mean, yeah, you can give up no goals and completely dominate a team from start to finish that you're supposed to dominate in front of a ceremonial crowd that was all hyped up to be there and wanted to see the kind of effort that the exactly the team delivered. So uh, we are, of course, talking about the 7 nothing drubbing of the Philadelphia Flyers, which was 0-0 after the first period, but didn't really feel like it should have been. Um and then the Devils just completely dominated the run of play the rest of the game. They scored three in the second, four in the third period as uh, they led that game with the 3 team, the returning members of that team, uh, celebrating the 20-year you know, anniversary of the championship, the last championship the Devils had won. Stark difference between that team and this one, but it was nice to see 
kind of the next generation torch passing happening here because the devils were flying. The devils were absolutely all over the place this game. Everyone was involved in the action. Every single line was just completely steamrolling the Flyers. And to be fair, they were missing uh, Travis Konechny and James Van Riemsdyk, so uh, two of their better players as well. But still, this is a team that the Devils should dominate, and they absolutely did. Yeah, especially since the other three meetings against the second-rate rivals have not gone all that well. Well, they got absolutely goalied by Carter Hart back in December. The home, you know, the season opener was just not good. Uh, everybody was frustrated by that. And again, even the win in, against Philadelphia at the Rock, you know, you know, okay, you took care of business. But this was an absolute drubbing. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a butt kicking contest, and Philly supplied a lot of butt in this game. Yeah. Um, and and you're absolutely right, Dan. Pretty much everybody for the New Jersey Devils did well at some point. Yeah, Damon Severson's tripping penalty was classic. Damon Severson got beat and took a dumb penalty. Yeah, it would have been nice if the Devils didn't give up 11 shots in the first period and, you know, scored early. But, you know, once Siegenthaler's long shot went in and then Jack Hughes created his his highlight of the night uh, off of Siegenthaler clearance, which is actually Hughes's uh, first goal since his return from injury, fun fact, um, I figured the floodgates are going to open. And then, of course, he sure hits Dawson Mercer with a, you know, Eliash to Arnott-esque pass. Yeah. You know, so the dog continues to bark for Mr. Mercer. Uh, and then the third period, I, I, somewhere between the Heesher and the Hamilton goals, I think Philly just mentally checked out of the game. Normally, the very acronomious uh, John Tortorella, his, his comment after the game was, "This, they're, they're just on another level. Yeah. The Devils are just a very good team. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, like, they humbled him. They humbled him, and the it, Devils it was a humbled. Cavernous difference yeah, in talent, I mean, in it, speed, and motivation. Yeah, T- Tony D got wrecked in this game. He he was the victim of a lot of these plays. Ivan Provorov not only not a fan of the gays, he's scared of the gays. Dan, he was also scared at five on five. The Devils just ate his lunch all night long. I mean, Sealer, you know, the guy who threw had the fight against uh, Michael McClud. He he was the guy that Jack Hughes literally styled and profiled on for Jack uh, Jesper Bratt's tap in. In the third period, I mean, even Nathan Bashan got a goal. Granted, yeah. it was a tip in, and yeah, he yeah. scored in the first period. But hey, when Nathan Bashan is getting tip ins from a Kevin Ball shot of all things, um, you know, it, it's your night. I mean, Jack just Hughes well. from his knees, from his knees, Jack yeah. Hughes on a breakaway, every which way that they could score, they did, and so the Devils again found another way to reassert the fact that they deserve something good to happen to the team this deadline. They deserve to be buyers for once. They deserve to have their efforts rewarded for the position they've put themselves in after all their hard work in, uh, you know, through three quarters of the season at this point, basically. So uh, what happened? Well, the biggest, one of the biggest trades, I'd say, one of the biggest deadline deals, certainly in Devil's history, um, and definitely the biggest deal in devil's deadline history in terms of the amount of pieces correct i think that's right do you did i'm actually having to look this up to make sure i we because we got to cover everything dan the people that matter the people who matter yeah they yeah it. they deserve to know the whole well here's the thing they didn't know for a while because what we did know was that the devils had acquired one team on Meyer that had been rumored and we had talked about it, and everyone had talked about it for a very long time. It felt like inevitability because it turned out it was. But what we didn't know was what was going back to San Jose in return for that and if there was any other teams involved in this deal. 
And it turned out we didn't know that because it was extremely complicated. It required a lot of moving contracts to make it work from a compliance yeah. standpoint, both from the San Jose side and from the New Jersey side. But what New Jersey lost, uh, I'll give that side. Um, and then, John, you can give what New Jersey gained because uh, – You sure you don't want to flip it around? <laughs> I'm positive. I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm positive about that. Okay. Uh, for the New Jersey side, the Devils gave up Shakir Mukamadulin, Nikita Akatuk. They gave up Fabian Zetterland. Uh, they gave up Andreas uh, Johnson. They gave up a first-round pick uh, that I believe is for this year unless the Devils – Oh, what's the condition? Do they win a round? I don't know. You're thinking of the other pick. This okay. pick has the condition of it's top two protected. Okay, got it. it it's not. Gonna it's happen. not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the first round pick this year. And then the other one, which would be uh, for next year, unless the Devils win. And then in that case, it gets deferred. In, in any case, I know that San Jose is going to be a bunch of Devils fans for the playoff run uh, to benefit that pick as well. Um, And then. Yeah. That's official... it from the devil's nope. side. No, there's also a seventh rounder from 2024. Oh, okay, to Dang. just you know because you got you got to balance that out. But yeah, that second the conditional is it's a 2024 second rounder. But if the Devils make the Eastern Conference Final this year, mm-hmm. and Meyer plays in half of the games, or the Devils make the Eastern Conference Finals in 2024, the second becomes a first. And nice. if the first becomes top ten, New Jersey can say no. You can have the 2025 first rounder. I don't hate that at all. No, it's, it's it's stuff like that. And I know there was a concern about some injuries, which I'm going to assume is among the minor league players here, because Akotyuk did suffer an injury at Utica recently. Mm-hmm. In addition, Meyer has been fighting his own upper body injury. Um, yeah, it's going to keep him out of the game um, at the time of recording. Tomorrow, the Devils are playing right. against the Avalanche. It's going to keep him out of that game, but it looks like he's non-contact, but at least skating with the team. Yeah, he met up with the team on Tuesday, and of course, everybody's hyped up. They're happy about this. And um, yeah, he's once he starts taking contact in practice, I think that's when you'll see his debut. And believe me, Dan, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Timo to play very soon. But first, let's talk about what the Devils got. Yeah, so they got Timo Meyer to start. Obviously, yeah. uh, he is the centerpiece. He is the piece, the, the missing piece. He's the big physical forward the Devils have been lacking for many many years now and he is someone that uh brings a whole new dimension to this team uh, he generates shots at immense volume he plays on the power play and boosts it immensely he he is uh a, a lot of what the devils have been looking for for a long time so he should slot in quite nicely in that top six with either of the two centers but we'll see uh, what they choose to do with him when he actually gets in the games that's right. And on top of that, uh, San Jose did agree to retain half of his cap hit for this season. He's he's on an expiring contract, which is part of the reason why San Jose moved him. Uh, Myers, Myers' base salary for this season, Dan, is $10 million, yeah, meaning yeah. his qualifying offer, because he's a pen, pending RFA, is $10 million. That's um, so, so ultimately, I think the Devils, and that was part of the rumors ahead about the trade, is that whoever wanted to trade for him, you know, do you get the rights to talk to Claude Lemieux? And yes, the, that means the former New Jersey Devil. He isn't player agent, and he is Timo Meyer's agent. Um, do you talk Turkey with him and try to 
say, hey, are you willing to sign? Is your guy willing to sign an extension with us? Supposedly, that's how Winnipeg got involved for like a hot minute and then was told, yeah, no, Timo's not going to resign yeah. Winnipeg ever. So yeah. Winnipeg's like, see you later. Yeah. We're going to go back to fighting Dallas for first in the central. Um, but more seriously, so the big question is going to be what Fitzgerald's going to do in terms of extension because his whole line has been, we want guys with control. We want guys with term. Well, Technically, you can just give him a one-year deal deal at ten million and kick that can down the road, yeah. but uh, for the purposes of negotiation, you probably want to give him the big deal sooner rather than later, and they can do that. Well, um, based on quotes, it also seems like the negotiations with Brat and his agent are going pretty well, so they could theoretically retain both. And again, it leads to the scenario where you let Severson and Graves go, or find some sort of way to flip them for value and have. Uh, Nemitz and Hughes fill those spots and uh, again it kind of feels like more and more especially with what happened with the other parts of this trade we're just leaving space for Luke Hughes to uh, join this team for their playoff run right that's what it kind of feels like well I'm not I'm not up on my AHL rules to know whether or not he can do that I think it depends on when he gets signed um, which is going to be contingent on when Michigan ends their season. Yeah, uh, I know their regular season just ended, but there's the Big Ten tournament, and presumably they're going to be in the first four tournaments. So it's going to be for another month or so, I would I would guess. Uh, the other players of the deal, as you said, Dan, were just basically throw-ins to make the contracts work because San Jose was, you know, up until last month was like at 50 contracts, which is bizarre. But uh, Scott Harrington. Mm-hmm. who is never going to play for the Devils, as the Devils literally waived him on, on the trade was made on Sunday. Harrington yeah. was waived on Monday and Anaheim claimed him on Tuesday. Yeah. He never left California. Farewell. Uh, so there you go. You'll uh, be the missed. Other, the other players are going to be trivia answers here. We got Zachary Imond, a uh, goaltender yeah. of which, you know, he's a 22 year old goaltender. Um, I'm trying to see, was he ever, he was drafted in the sixth round in 2018. He's 22. He's a minor league goalie. Uh-huh. Then there's Santeri Hataka from Finland, of course, uh, 22 years old. He is yep. a left-sided defenseman, uh, also a 2019 drafted player from San Jose. He's in the middle of his ELC. He's a minor league player. And then there's Timur Ibragimov mm-hmm. of Russia, who... Actually was playing at Wichita this year in the ECHL, which should give you okay. a clue as far as he, he he's not even an AHL player. He's a minor leaguer at the second level. Yeah. Um, he's in the final year of his ELC, and he's got a European assignment clause, so I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to play in Europe next year. We'll Long see. story short. And, uh, and, oh, there's and, another. and. A 2024 oh, fifth right. round pick yeah. that originally was Colorado's, given that the Devils have found some value late in drafts. That's not nothing. It's yeah. not much, but it's not nothing. At best, we know it's just for Brett, right? Pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, it's very good. Um, um, so I, you know, those other pieces kind of mean nothing. But uh, weirdly enough, yeah, that fifth rounder, because it's nothing concrete yet, kind of means the most to me um, of the remaining pieces that aren't Timo Meyer. But yeah. We know what this was all about. We know the point of this. We know that um, they got him. You know, mission accomplished here. And is there anything left to do in the trade deadline at this point? Well, that's going to be a bit of a challenge because as we're recording this, it seems like the NHL has the NHL GMs have decided to make the trade deadline today as literally today alone. 
and I'm just making sure I don't mess this up here. So bear with me here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh a lot has happened. It a lot kind of feels happened. like deadline day today. That's what I'm saying. It's like today. And, yeah. Well, so, what's left for Friday is basically a whole heap of nothing and maybe some Philadelphia Flyers. Well, maybe. Um, let's see. I know some of the people who matter was hoping for Luke Shen to become a devil. Mm-hmm. which I think that that got dashed the moment that Scott Harrington was thrown in the deal. I would figured Harrington was going to be your veteran defenseman on a Jeep contract. Well, Luke Shen is not going to become a devil as the Leafs acquired him today. Mm-hmm. Um, the Leafs also made like three other trades today. It's like, guys, 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 the the, the deadlines in two days. Why? Well, why, the why, East why? keeps loading up because the Patrick Kane trade became official today yes. as the Rangers acquired him. And so now they have uh, him and Tarasenko that they loaded up on the Islanders, acquiring uh, Pierre Engvall from the Leafs today to mm-hmm. add to their Bo Horvat acquisition earlier. Uh, it sounds like the Penguins and the Canucks are talking about somebody. It's Brock rumored Besser, to be possibly. either Brock Besser or uh, Miller. Um, I, hope, uh, it, I will laugh if it's TJ Miller. He is not a good player I'm well, not on that contract. Uh, yeah, but we'll see. The, again, it's another west to east kind of move happening here. It's so interesting that so much of the east is loading up. It's going to be brutal trying to get out of this conference. Well, um, it, yeah, but that's the playoffs in general. I mean, you're playing nobody but good teams in the playoffs. <laughs> well, just know that two of the best six teams in the league will be eliminated in the first round no matter how you slice it. That That's just what you're going to end up with. When well, the two three in the Metro and two three in the um, Atlantic play each other in the first round, well, it is what it is. Um, it it is. It's just like this yeah. has never happened to this extent before. We actually, um, I was reading about this on the Athletic, and it was mentioned that it had never been more than three teams better than the best team in the other conference. This year, it's six. the The lack of parity is crazy. Well, Dan, that could, there's still about a quarter of a season left where a lot of that can change. Well, sure, and, but to and, be this far in the season with that kind of a gap is it's unusual to say the least. It is unusual, but um, at the same time, you know, there's always there's just a lot of weird things happening by this deadline. The Tanner Jenot deal was so just many crazy. Picks. Like Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay's P, uh, Patrice Breezebaugh just said. Those picks Julian aren't going to help us now. I'm sorry, Julian B- Breezewa. I'm sorry, Patrice Breezewa was a defenseman. My bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Breezewa just said, these players, these picks aren't going to help us play. They're not going to become players. We <laughs> need cups now. Like, okay, bro, just keep it. He's keeping it 100. Whereas uh, before he traded for, you know, scorers or people who had vague potential to be scorers, this was for someone who maybe did score. last year and scored five total goals, a.k.a. I love this phrasing of it. One goal for each draft pick he was traded for. Yep. Um, literally wow. just before this recording, Matthias Elkholm got shipped away from Nashville to Edmonton and mm-hmm. Edmonton gave up Ty Barry and Reed Schaefer a first and a fourth, which is like nuts. The funniest trade so far, Dan, I have a feeling there's not going to be much uh, funnier. This is also within the metropolitan division. So, um, for the past week or so, uh, Gavrikov, a defenseman mm-hmm. for Columbus, has been held out on a scratch due, due to trade-related reasons. Yep. Supposedly, Boston wanted him. Yep. And Boston apparently told told Yarmo Kekalainen, "Just can you give us some time to think about this? You know, you know, make the money bag a little bit better because every day the cap hit gets smaller and smaller." And Columbus said, "Sure." And then Boston proceeded to go talk to Washington and acquired Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. Yep. Leaving Columbus with a player that can't that was about to be moved, 
he knew he was going to be moved. The team knew he was going to be moved. Everybody knew he was going to be moved and he didn't move. So he finally got moved today to Minnesota Mm -hmm. for a third rounder that originally was given to Minnesota by Boston for their, their retainment of salary to help make that trade possible. And another metropolitan to Minnesota move as well, by the way, did you see this one? What? Washington sending old friend Marcus Johansson over to Minnesota as well. Columbus just continues to take L's. Washington is like selling for a team that's like not out of the wild card race, which is weird to me. But but they're in a tough spot in terms of that race. And yeah. also when seeing what they're up against and seeing the fact that they don't know when they're going to get a Vegkin back. They don't know when Well, they got him back. Oh, is he already back? OK, yeah, I, he's I, back. I, admittedly have not been watching them i mean they um, lost in the game they, where he came back in so, so you know maybe you maybe that's it maybe they're just like yeah if we if we're getting uh, ovechkin back and we're still getting owned by anaheim but while those know. teams are getting worse uh another metropolitan team got better again carolina uh mm-hmm. traded for uh jesse pulyarby mm-hmm. so uh, th- this arms race continues it just it just it's so interesting to see who's moving which parts are moving where yeah. and which teams are looking to get that last that wild card race is exceedingly interesting. I'm kind of surprised that yeah, way more than last teams year. on the fringes didn't make more moves, but I think those teams also understand that maybe with all these teams competing, it's kind of hard to uh, justify being full on buyers. I think the only exception to that should be the Florida Panthers. I think they well they had something to do and they just didn't really do much. But if you're well, Detroit, if you're Ottawa, it kind of feels like you're, you're ahead Buffalo. of schedule here. Yeah, Buffalo has like yeah, the Buffalo most cap space too. in the entire league. Like, yeah, spend some of it. You're actually fighting for your first playoff spot in over a decade. Like, mm-hmm. go for it, my dude. Yeah. Um, ditto Detroit. You're ahead of schedule. You have boatloads of cap space. Go for it. Florida has, as of right now, according to Cap Friendly, $137,000 in cap space. Well, I they think can't it's just do more anything. urgent for them to need to do something. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's more that. They're more in the we have to compete now. We have more people pay that we're paying big money to right now, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Ottawa, Detroit, which are most of our younger guys, most of our ELC guys are carrying this process right now. It's what the Devils have to some extent. And even though they got lucky that they managed to, you know, bet big on potential from Heischer and Hughes to have space to maneuver with. But Exactly. Um, but in any case, it's all case, good stuff. It's finally, all very interesting. Yeah. And the biggest the biggest win here is and I give Fitzgerald a lot of credit for this. I think he did really well with this Meyer trade. And I just hope he doesn't like overthink the next two days um, because he's already went on on the record saying, you know, he wants to add some grit, which mm-hmm. I'm always thinking. Oh no. You know, after seeing Tanner Janot, you know, cost an arm and a leg, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of what a grit guy is going to demand yeah um not to mention the team is still you know riding the not so hot miles wood um nevertheless <laughs> but uh we'll see we'll see if the devils you know look for an upgrade like a minor upgrade here or there over the next two days because that's pretty much all they can do they can they have about a million 1.2 million to play with by uh the um by the deadline well but, i don't uh, even know who would be around like who who would they even look for well that's the thing is like i'm i'm looking at the list here like so far philly hasn't sold off anybody not that they're going to deal with the devils necessarily but who knows um you know i'm looking at teams like you know uh anaheim hasn't really sold anybody off just yet they they're terrible arizona's always selling Mm -hmm. chicago's going to be selling even more nashville apparently is now a seller's market um 
I'm just well, Washington too. You can look at them maybe because they yeah, they're not gonna, they're not going to trade within the division. I don't think You'd they will. Think, but who knows? You know, Montreal probably will want to do some selling, considering they're the only team in the Atlantic that has nothing to play for right now, mm-hmm. and they ha- they actually have no cap space right now. Uh, the teams I would watch for, um, I would be very careful about what Carolina does in the next two days because they're a really well run organization. They have some roster space, and they have seven up to seven million dollars to play with uh cap wise by by friday and las vegas a team that has perpetually been going all in ever since their existence they have 6.5 million dollars in space available oh and colorado also has a lot of space to play with so yeah i I think there's going to be some further movement and i think you know yeah a lot of the big sexy names like kane meyer tarasenko uh uh ekholm i'm trying to think who else was you know best serves going that's another one horvat was another one um well, one that's not moving also, we can pretty much say our Carlson's seems like he's not going anywhere. So that's an interesting one to monitor. If Meyer, if, I'm sorry, Mike Greer is smart. He'll try to make that trade because as, as amazing as of a season he's having, that contract is an anchor. Oh, sure. But that's like, what they seem to say. Like they came out today and said that he's probably not going anywhere. Okay. Well, in yeah. that case, then he's probably safer. If they <laughs> that, that's if, all nice and fine, but they they pretty much came out today and were like, it yeah. seems unlikely that he's going anywhere. Okay, but to find yeah. to go getting back to the Devils, and I will want to I do want to highlight this point before we get into March's schedule because that's a talking point in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I want to give Fitzgerald a lot of credit here because when we were talking about the Meyer trade, who did we not mention? No, Alexander Holtz. Mm-hmm. No Dawson Mercer, who was a subject of rumors for like a week and everybody want didn't want that to happen because the dog, the dogs were barking. They didn't want to be uh, moved to another uh, pound, um, you know, so Mercer stays, uh, Sharon Govich even stays, Akira Schmid stays, Luke Hughes stays, Simon Nemich stays. The Devils, you know, I, I like Muka, Madu- I've like I've grown to like Muka Madulin as a prospect. I'm a, a big fan of the swole Swede, Dan, but the Devils didn't really give a whole lot of consequence here mm-hmm. outside of that pick. And if the Devils are as good as we think they are, they're not going to be high picks. So, you know, credit to Fitzgerald for, you know, not, you know, not giving up too much in return. I don't think Mike Greer got a got a whole lot back. Well, it's dealing from a position of strength, right? They had enough prospects that fit that position. They had enough bottom six-ish mm-hmm. guys. And, it, and for example, uh, just to segue into kind of the next point here, they're, they're reaching a stretch, the final stretch of games here as they close out the season and try to solidify their playoff seating. First place in the Metropolitan isn't out of the question. One of the guys mm-hmm. that's um, you know, someone they've brought up to try and help them with their scoring touch a little bit is someone who is seeing some scoring success in Utica, and that's uh, Graham Clark. So Graham Clark has been called up to the team. Mackenzie Blackwood being placed on IR for the injury he sustained in practice, that thing that he tweaked that's mm-hmm. very vague and ominous. So Clark joins the team trying to score more goals for the Devils and waiting for Timo Meyer to... Uh, recover from that body injury that he has as well that's right and um, the devils are starting the month on the road they're gonna play in denver on wednesday night and let me tell you dan that's not gonna be a one nothing game Mm. it's not gonna be a one colorado's healthier now they're hungrier now Uh, colorado is now second in the central and they're they're gunning for dallas they could still end up first place in their division they're on a six game winning streak they uh, the the avs are well 
avalanching on their opponents. So that's a tough start way, tough way to start your uh, month. Then the Devils go to Las Vegas, who are also a quality team this season. Not so great at home as you mm. would think, but still a good team. Then the Devils get to go to Arizona State on Sunday. That's their three-game road trip. And then they get to go embark in maybe the toughest stretch of nine games. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the toughest stretch of nine games I think they're going to have this season mm-hmm. by far. Um, let me read it out to you, Dan. Yeah, They're romped through the American Southeast. Is this what this is? Yeah, it starts at home at the Rock against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Don't throw things, people. Then they will host Washington, who who may be sellers, but will probably still want to, you know, not limp into the end of the season. That game is in D.C. on the 9th. Then on the 11th, the Devils go to Montreal. Montreal just beat the Devils. So that's not a gimme. And then the next day, the Devils come and host Carolina, which is going to be a big game if you're if the Devils are still aiming for first place. Mm-hmm. Carolina, thankfully, will be having a game the day before, too. So both teams are going to be gassed. And then, Dan, if you want to play off like uh, situation here, the thing about the playoffs is that you're playing really good teams in a short time period. So already you're already playing four games within six nights, five nights even. And then you get to go host Tampa on the 14th, host Tampa on the 16th, go to Florida, Sunrise, Florida to play the Panthers on the 18th, and then go to Tampa Bay on the 19th. You play Tampa Bay three times within four games. <laughs> and then you get to host Minnesota on the 21st. By the way, yeah. Minnesota is still going to be playing for their playoff lives. Well, and then you finally get a two-day break. If you're feeling there was a shocking lack this season of games against Tampa Bay, don't you worry. That'll be remedied very quickly because yeah. you're right <laughs> that they were lacking. Um, you're right that they hadn't played them in a long time. But uh, yeah, this is a big stretch. And you're right, especially for that divisional spot. It would be nice to avoid the uh, Rangers in the first round, especially considering how much they've loaded up and to kind of let them, you know, duke it out with another team in the first round with the Devils take someone that's a little less evenly matched against them, I'd say. So hopefully they they take those games very seriously. But so far, they have we have no reason not to trust them. They've been very good on the road. They've been um increasingly better at home they just had that stretch of six straight home wins broken by the montreal Canadiens. so and then they uh, went out and won two more home games right so and the second one in very convincing fashion so yeah they get the directive it's clear this team understands what this season's all about it's clear that they understand what's coming next it's just okay someone gets hurt next guy up there's there's room in the lineup then you know Zetterlin's gone. Okay, Graham Clark, this is this is your job now. This is your show now. This is your spot. See what you can do. Exactly. And given that you're playing all these games I just mentioned from March 1st to March 21st, there's no every there's nothing longer than one day breaks. So you're going to have to rotate with players. You're going to have to give goalies extra games. You're going to have to give guys a night off because they're hurt or they're just sore or something and as such you need to rotate things it's very similar to what you have to do in a playoff situation mm-hmm. where you're constantly you're, you you don't have the time to do practices and video sessions and fully prepare for your team it's all right what do we do now to fix this what do we do what can we do in a short order and thankfully the devils because they play in the metropolitan division they don't travel as far they play more back-to-backs than most other teams they kind of have an idea of what that's like but this month is going to be the one where we're going to really learn we know the devils are a good team 
how good of a team. Because if they can come out of, if, if we're talking on March 22nd, March 23rd, and we're talking about the Devils having a winning record mm-hmm. in that month, you know, they've beaten some really good teams along the way then. Yeah. You know, you're not, this is not a team, like no, dis- you know, the Devils have managed to make, you know, have competitive games against Columbus, Vancouver, and uh, others. But, uh, you know, that stretch of games, there's only two non-playoff teams on that list, and that's Arizona and Montreal. Everybody else is going to be a playoff team or a divisional winner. Let's just say we can all agree the expectations have dramatically changed for this team. And where before the deadline and before these recent moves, or I guess this recent move, uh, we were looking at this team and saying, well, great, we're playing with house money. They've been better than anticipated. We kind of knew something like this was in them, but not to this extent. But now I think we're looking at this team and saying, why not us? This is the move that takes them from... Uh, well, we, we could be a, maybe a scary team, a tough knockout in the playoffs too. This is a legitimate Stanley cup contending team for, for every reason they, they line up with the best of them. And really, you know, Boston is far ahead of the pack, but, uh, this is a player that would have made a difference in those matchups. The devils had against Boston back in December. So uh, it's all to play for in the playoffs. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be a bloodbath and hopefully the devil's are able to keep pace, but they 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 accomplish something big in terms of uh, putting themselves in the position to do that. So yeah, very much hope... appreciating the moves. Yeah, and and again, credit to Fitzgerald for doing so. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm of the opinion that again, you know, when are you going to see the Devils have a 13 game winning streak again? When mm-hmm. are you going to see them have an amazing, you know, 21 four and three road record? Dan, they 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 guaranteed a winning record on the road this season. Yeah, that's already. Crazy. Like, you know, that's hard to do. Yeah. You know, you've gotten top 10 scoring from Jack Hughes. You've gotten good goaltending from Vitek Vanacek. You've gotten such great production from Heischer, Brat, Hamilton. Um, you had so many things right. You gotta, you, this is the time, my dude. You're not going to necessarily get all these things going your way next season with or yeah. without Meyer. So credit to Fitzgerald for going out and beefing up the team instead of just going, eh, they're, 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 they have the third best record in the league. We don't have to do anything. Like, no, you got to continually improve because when in in this coming month of march and in the playoffs you're playing a lot of good teams you got to keep up with them Mm -hmm. and um you know i think the devils as much as we say it's going to be tough it's going to be a bloodbath it's going to be hard you have to understand the opponents are looking at the devils and they're saying the exact same things the devils are part of the problem for a change they're not Mm -hmm trap games they're not nights where you can give the backup a you know a, a game in there or or your third string goalie you know this is not a game where you can just tune up some things and try some things out no you have to play the devils like they're a top tier team and that's a credit to well the fact that right now a top tier team oh feels good after all these years it does feel good it feels fantastic oh, well uh i think that brings us to the end of this episode so uh, thank you again for listening. We're, we're just, man, it's exciting to finally have one of these long rumored uh, moves manifest. Even though it took a long time, we all have to sweat out the return. It's nice to see Timo Meyer yeah. practicing in the devil's uniform. So uh, we'll see him on the ice in actual games, hopefully sooner rather than later. But until then, we'll catch you in the next episode. And as always, thank you for listening and let's go devils. Go devils.